0: In God, I want to thank you, minister to us tonight and help us to be the believers that you have called us to be, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, in recent times, I'm beginning to, just like what Pastor Andy said tonight about what's happening to America, uh, you know, Christianity is dying according to what they said um i like to cancel those words in the name of jesus i like to cancel them these are things against the church but i also think that christians should take these things very seriously Uh, because if they are saying it satan is behind it believe me that's his heart's desire that's what what he wants to do to the united states and i believe that he's also working on unbelievers and putting people in strategic places to bring this, his desire uh, to bear on the United States. And we cannot just sit still. We have to become militant in our faith and, and begin to really rise up in prayer if we need to fast. Uh, I know that back home, if, this, if they hear that, there will be churches that will be having all night prayer meetings and making decisions we as Christians have to make personal decisions because God is going to hold us responsible this is our time what you do with the faith the Bible says we should defend the faith we have to defend our faith and if they're saying these things about our faith we cannot just say well they don't know what they're talking about this is coming from the enemy we need to stand up and decide we need we're gonna do something If I have to pray, I'll pray. If I have to give, I'm going to be aware of what the enemy is doing. If we are in a battle, you need to know what the enemy is doing so that you can fight. So we really need to stand up. I'll probably go go into that on Sunday morning as well, Pastor Andy, so that uh, as a church, we need to rise up and say, we're not going to take that for the United States of America. What happened to Europe is not going to happen here. And if we stand up, And then God will lift up his standard against the enemy. And uh, instead of Christianity diminishing or dying, uh, Christianity will become a powerful force again in the United States. And they will be amazed. They won't want to see themselves saying what they said in the future. Amen. Because God would have turned everything on them. Tonight I want to talk about uh, the habits of highly... Effective Christians' habits of highly effective Christians. That's so good. We're talking about what's going on in the United States, and um, we'll be looking at what Paul—I mean Peter—told us in his word. Peter was a disciple that had a lot of faith. He worked with the Lord Jesus, and if anyone would know how to be successful. As a Christian, how to be effective, how to be productive, he'll know because he failed a lot while he worked with Jesus. He knew he had faith, but he had certain things in his life that was causing him to fail. But he became a successful Christian and he's the one telling us that there are seven qualities, seven habits that we need to develop in our lives that will assure success, productivity, and effectiveness if we allow those things to be in us we allow them to grow in us Tho- those things these qualities will make it uh, for us so that we will never be ineffective in our work with the Lord Jesus Christ if you read in 2nd Peter chapter 1 verse 5 through 8 it says but also for this very reason, giving all diligence giving all diligence, in other words, do everything that you can do giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness To godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things, that's these qualities, are yours. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure or and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he's assuring you, if you have these things in you, if you possess these qualities, in addition to your faith, we all have faith. We all have faith. The Bible says God has given to every man the measure of faith. And we have grown our faith. But if you want to be very effective, highly effective, highly productive in the kingdom of God, He's saying you need to add to your faith these seven qualities. And if you possess these seven qualities in increasing measure, you have assured your life to success effectiveness and productivity. And that's what he's telling us. The key is possessing these qualities in increasing measure. If you have these things and abound that increasing measure, if you keep growing those these qualities in your life, then you will be sure to be productive and to be effective as a Christian. Now, if you have to evaluate yourself, every, if every one of us will go into ourselves and, and rate ourselves, uh, you know, according to these qualities that is given to us, uh, say from 1 to 10, you'll find every one of us possess every one of these qualities. They are there in us. The question is not whether they are there, the question is, what's the measure of it in your life? If you have to read. For some of us, we'll have for some, well, two here, maybe six there. And for some people, it'll just be two all the way down to the seventh one. <laughs> the issue is not your past, it's your future. You possess these qualities. You can never have enough of these qualities. It's really a lifetime of developing these qualities in your life. You can never ever have enough of these qualities in your life. So if you have them, you already have them, the key then is make sure the word he uses is diligence. You have to make sure that these things are Oh, not only you don't, they're only in your life, but you are working very hard to have a greater measure of every one of these qualities in your life. It will take time. It will take a lifetime. You can never be satisfied. You can never have enough. You keep wanting more of it. What we need to do is to let this list Define the kind of person that we want to be as we live here on Earth as Christians. That's what we need to do. We will go through this list. First one is virtue." That word in the Greek means a return. Um, it's a rated that's what is given it's actually it means moral excellence. so we need to have had moral excellence to our faith. Good character good character it, is, uh, it has to do with behavior now Abraham Lincoln says That uh, character is like a tree. What follows after character, what people see, the fame and everything that goes with your character, is the shadow. That people are looking at. Most people chase after the, the shadow. We need to chase after character because that's what God is looking for in our lives. Moral excellence. Now, have you heard people say something like this? Because what this is talking about is active goodness. You hear words from people that say, well, yeah, he drinks sometimes and, uh, sometimes cheats on his wife and, uh, uh, but he's a good man. He has a good heart. You heard of that? People say things like that. Well, this is not talking about your motives, whether you desire to do what is good, or you have a good heart. This is actually talking about active goodness, doing what is right. It has to do with character. That's what God wants. Add to your faith character. Add to your faith moral excellence, moral goodness. So good intentions are not good enough. You have to act on it. One thing that we must realize when we talk about goodness, goodness is not going to take anyone to heaven. We know that. Being good is not going to take anyone to heaven. But goodness in your life, that moral excellence is a show or an evidence of the fact that you have been touched by God's grace that's the evidence that God is at work in your life and that you are actively walking close to God you can't believe in like the devil at home and in a church you are a saint you will not be effective you will not be productive that's the way it is because people can see these things we have to constantly this is the way to do it is constantly pursuing after good works even though goodness being good will not take us to heaven that is exactly what god called you into the reason why god brought you to be with him is for you to do good works ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 tells us this for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus we were created in christ jesus for good works to do good works If you are born again, you are supposed to have moral excellence in your life. Do good works. If you don't do that, you will not be productive as a Christian. You will not be effective. Your testimony is no good. Now it's really tough when you see people that you know they quote a lot of scriptures and they know a lot of scriptures and all of that it hurts to see them not being good and and unbelievers recognize it and your word doesn't mean and the worst thing the bad thing about it is they generalize it and they call all of us you don't like the word hypocrites <laughs> that's what's affecting the church that's why the church is not being very effective because we are not pursuing after good works we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works if you're a Christian, that's your job to do good works that's why you were created in Christ that's what's going to make you effective as a Christian you don't have to do it for them to see but that's your calling that's your calling you pursue after it. Paul, uh, Peter says with diligence. Add to your faith. You already have faith, but you need goodness along with your faith to really please God and for you to accomplish what God called you to do in life. You need that goodness. They can they can respond to you, but when they start seeing all those shady actions in your life, guess what? their face destroyed many young Christians have been destroyed because they've looked at people that they looked up to acting bad you know hurt them and some of them can hardly recover you destroyed the one Jesus died for because she will not follow moral excellence excellence and that's what God says we should we must do and he said do it with diligence do it with diligence It's everything. You must add this to your faith to be effective. Having faith alone is not enough. You must add this to your faith for you to stay. And it's a lifetime. You can't just be satisfied. You want to continue to be this way. We were called to good works. That God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You understand that? Don't you want to walk where God wants you to walk? In goodness. Good works. It's like watching a kid, you know. They are really mischievous. You know what I mean? You yell at like the kid, come, stop that. Stop that. And you get away, You get the kid away from doing that stuff. And he goes to a to corner. And he's looking around. And you know what he's doing. What is he trying to do? He's looking for another mischievous thing to do, right? That's pretty bad, huh? But that's, that's, that should be our attitude. We're constantly looking for the next good thing to do. You understand what I'm saying? They get you off, you get off one and you're looking, what's the next thing? The next, what's the next thing? That is how you can really have virtue. That's the word. Goodness. Moral excellence to your faith. Now, if it doesn't do something to your faith, why would God say add that to your faith? It does something to your faith. So, moral excellence is, is, is very important. Second thing, second quality is a knowledge. To be highly effective as a Christian, Knowledge. A wise man is strong. And a man of knowledge increases strength. That's what the Bible says. But the word here is not just knowledge in your head, it's practical knowledge. Practical knowledge. Some knowledge that you can use. You understand what I'm saying? That's what he's saying. Add this kind of knowledge. The Greek is suggesting that is knowledge that you can use in your daily life. In other words, the knowledge that you get from God that helps you in making decisions daily. Good decisions. Every day of our lives we are confronted with all kinds of issues and you have to make the right decision. And the only way to make the right decision, knowledge. Amen? That's what he's asking. We need to increase in knowledge. We need to spend time looking at God's word and and deciding. There are issues that come to us and, and, and it seems good. But as you think on it, you begin to go into the word of God in your mind. I don't know if I can do that. You understand what I'm saying? Because you have knowledge. It seems good. It seems like there's going to be profit coming out of it. But based on God's word, it's not a good thing. But if you don't have knowledge, you jump into it and you hurt yourself. So he says, add knowledge to your faith. It's so important. There are so many deceivers out there today. People telling all kinds of stories. If you don't have knowledge, they'll take you out in a minute. You have to understand the Word of God. You know, the thing is practical knowledge. Have you seen, have you heard of Christians or have seen believers that come into the faith, they are really excited, and then they start reading in the scripture and they get sidetracked by some kind of a, uh, an issue, maybe if something in Genesis, like uh, where did Cain find his wife? Have you heard that before? And he bugs them and he distracts them. That's not practical knowledge. You know what I mean? What are you going to do with that knowledge? If you find out where he got his wife from. But they get zeroed in in that. And they won't let They run Everywhere they go they're talking about, Yeah, I understand all of that. And seeds of doubt, you know, in their heart. Do you understand? I understand all of that. But, but you need to explain to me where Cain found his wife. What are you gonna do with that knowledge? It's not practical knowledge. The secret thing. When they ask me questions like that, I tell them the secret things belong to the Lord our God. I don't know, but I don't. That knowledge is not going to help me today in my faith and in my walk with God. And then some, and I actually met somebody that was keyed into this one. He said, Jesus said, I was sent only to the lost ship, ship of the house of Israel. The, the rest of us are not going anywhere. I said, where did you get that? Read more. No. Explain to me why he said that. He's locked into that. That's not something that's going to help you in your walk of faith. You understand what I'm saying? Only those things that will help you in your walk with God. That's Practical knowledge. Add to your faith that practical knowledge that will help you in your Christian life. And don't get sidetracked by things that don't matter. A lot of Christians get sidetracked with very, very little issue. I mean, they don't do this in the church, but we believe this. What has that got to do? Or somebody said, you know, they jump too much in the church. So what has that got to do with Christianity? Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, show me where in the Bible it says to jump. What does that got to do with Christianity? You understand what I'm saying? These things are not they are useful. You only add something that will help you in life to make the right decisions. Because we have to make decisions. As a pastor, I'm constantly having to make decisions about what we're going to do. Whatever. Sometimes I just say, okay, whew, Do I have to make this decision? You know what I mean? And then you have to look inside and begin to look to God. God, how? Where are we going with this? And God draws from the wisdom, the knowledge you have, you've placed inside of you, to give you counsel. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, we need that. My people perish for what? For lack of knowledge. So we need to add that to our faith. So that you can be effective and productive as a believer. How does he say, How did he say for us to do this? With diligence. With diligence. Now God knows if you're diligent or not. If this means something to you or not. I tell you what. If you spend time, even as a young Christian... If you spend time with a sincere heart that, yeah, this is what God said. I want to understand. I want to know what God says. It won't be too long. You'll be teaching. True. I'm bearing fruit. Amen. I had these uh, friends of mine uh, who were, were saved uh, while I was in uh, junior college in Georgia. And it was three of them. And uh, Terry, Larry, and John. John was a football player and uh, John they all got saved one night they were church they were from they had been in church you know but they they were not going to church at that point point. and I had witnessed to John and John knew me then I was probably my first year in the United States and John knew me and then they all got saved one night and at night I heard all this big noise coming from from the bathroom and uh you know college life, you know in dorms, you can't say anything. It was weekend, and they were all screaming and shouting. And I'm thinking, I, I want to sleep. What's wrong with this? Excuse me, Americans, now, kidding <laughs> Don't they go to sleep? What's the matter? And I walked into the uh, bathroom, and it was John and Larry. As soon as they saw me, oh, good luck! And boy, they were all talking at the same time. I said, slow down, brothers. Slow down. What's going on? They had gotten saved. And uh, they were arguing. And one of them said, Well, if you believe that, why don't you go to church? And nobody could say a word. And they went to the chapel on campus. And they all got saved. And got so excited. Got filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were just talking and talking and talking. You know how they are the king. <laughs> you can't shut them up. They were so excited. But the point of it is, John was new. And he went back home. And before John just... The others were into their Christian life doing stuff. But John went straight for the scriptures. Few days later, John was teaching in his church. Can you believe that? And God was doing things through John. Because... He had the desire to know. And he took that challenge. I think he was the one telling them, I don't believe all this atheist stuff you guys are saying. There is a God... He said he used to be really scared. I won't go into that story when he saw me coming in the hallway. But he had gotten safe and really went straight for the world. And God changed his life. I don't know if John stayed on campus or he just went out into ministry. I can't recall. It's been a long time. 1979. But that desire, and they said he would stay until late hours of the morning. Studying the book. And then he make conversation in in, in, in church and then he says saying, Boy, you know a lot. Why don't you teach? You understand what I'm saying? Who me? And then he started doing that. I, I won't be shocked if John is a preacher today. Amen. But we need to acknowledge the third thing is self control. and uh, self-mastery, that's the way I put it. But I put this as, as just say no. Self-control, just say no. Every day in our lives we are being tempted to compromise our priorities every day. Things come at us. Thoughts, actions, words to say, somebody got you mad, you want to say something. Every day we are being tempted to change. The key self-control here is learn to say no. There is a strong connection between living a holy life and saying no. Amen? It's a strong connection there. Just as people go out and impossibly buy when they don't have money and get in trouble, the reason for that is they can't say no. They are in the mall. They have the credit card. You understand what I'm saying? They see something. They can say no. Sometimes some people are even afraid to tell the salesperson no. Because of what the salesperson might think about them. So they sign. Do you understand? Do you understand where I'm going? Yeah. People do that. They just because they don't they want to say no. You want to buy a car. He's telling you this is the best car to buy. Now you know it's way over your head. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're like, but he's talked to you and you don't. He spent about an hour with you talking to you about that. You've been trying to get the price down. And now you're feeling bad. I just don't want to walk away. This guy is really spending. So maybe I just buy. You can't say no. You can say no. No, I'm not going to do that. It's the same principle when it comes to living a holy life before God we have to say no when those things come it's called self-control I'm not going to say that I'm not going to go there sometimes some of these things are not sinful but I've been there have you spent some time doing something maybe caught up in maybe watching a a show or something or going somewhere and then you felt like you wasted time? Huh? It's just, is it just me? Well, I feel like I've wasted my time. Why did I allow myself to do this? I didn't say no. You understand? They wanted you to go somewhere with them, but you know, you, you got something to do. My wife has been teaching me that a lot. Just say no. Just say no. Amen. I'm not going to do that. And that is so important in other areas of life, saying no. Moral issues in life, temptations community you is absolutely no. No. And once it comes out of your mouth or in your head and you voice it out, you're not going there. No. That's self-control. And the way we develop that, he's to say no to things. Before long, it won't be hard to say no. If you've dealt with the very hard ones, these little ones, no big deal. Before they say no, I'm not doing that, it's over. But if you haven't learned to say no, then you give in, you feel bad, and then you repent, and you go back again. Self-control, Paul says, to add, I mean Peter said, to add self-control or self-mastery to that. Fourth is perseverance, which one saint called the queen of all virtues perseverance the Greek word is hypomania often translated patience but what that means literally is stick with it tough it out stick with it tough it out that's perseverance I don't think Christians have difficulty with people Uh, doing things to them, they can persevere uh, and and tolerate it for a good while even though it's painful they're acting bad or saying things about them, about their faith they can handle that. I think where we struggle the most is when we fail and make mistakes. We struggle. Or when we think we're failing. And when others make us feel that way, it's easy to just say, Well, I guess I quit. I'll find something else to do. You don't want to do that. We need to develop this. We shouldn't give up because you are failed. when you fail, that says you have tried. You understand what I'm saying? It's better to try and fail in something than to sit and do nothing. If you don't try, you'll never fail. If you don't try, you won't even have any opportunity to be discouraged. But you are already a failure. But if you try, there are times that discouraging circumstances will come to you. And sometimes I really believe that it's a test from the Lord to see what you will do if you will quit. That's why the Bible says that we should not quit doing good works. Don't faint. Faint in well doing. Because if we continue to do good works, we will reap you know so that's the main thing don't ever quit sometimes for Christians maybe not you they want to develop a special time to study the Bible and they they, they put a certain time and they do it for a, a good period of time and then they forget to do it it doesn't work I guess I'm not that kind of person you quit You get discouraged. Or your prayer time with God. Developing a better relationship with somebody. Sometimes it's easy, well I've done all that I can do. I'm gonna quit now. God doesn't want us to quit. God wants you to persevere. Patience is so important. The thing is to constantly try. If you fail, try again. If you fail, try again. Win, winning souls. Sometimes it's discouraging. You know, you're doing everything. And you've done everything that you know to do. The results not there. And you will, even in business, you've done everything that you know to do. But then you want to get discouraged. You can't persevere. You want to quit. You want to go do something else. That's not the way God wants. Add to your faith. Perseverance. Stay, stay with it. Stay with it. Tough it out. Tough it out. God will come through for you. Even if you fall. I believe that's why the scripture says in Proverbs 24 verse 16, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fail by calamity. Just because you are failed, things didn't work out well, doesn't mean God is not with you. And that doesn't mean you are not righteous. God is with you. Don't quit. Stay with it. God is going to come through for you. I go fast and the next one is godliness. And uh, that word actually means piety. I know when people talk about godliness and piety, what people think about is this guy, you know, looking down But everyone, holier-than-thou individuals, you understand what I'm saying? That's not what this is talking about. Godliness here is actually uh, doing right by God and by man. That's godliness. You're giving God the worship that he deserves, and you're giving your fellow man the respect that they deserve that's what godliness is all about the respect and dignity that your fellow man deserve you can't mistreat your fellow man you worship God and then you deal with your fellow man is that's what godliness is those two commandments love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind You're straight everything that you have. And then your neighbor as yourself. That's godliness. You're doing right by man and you're doing right by God. Peter is saying we need to add this to our faith. You can't be living a godless life thinking you're doing right by God, but you're not doing right by man. You've got it wrong. Godliness has nothing to do just with God. It has to do with our relationship with man. How you're dealing with your fellow man for the most part. You don't see God every day. You understand what I'm saying? You can't make God mad. Usually you're making him mad by the things that you're doing to your fellow man. So it's both doing right by God and then by your fellow man. Six is brotherly kindness. The word there means mutual affection. I think this is a real problem uh, in the United States. I would say this, I've heard it said a lot of time that our relationships are on the surface. Most of it is never deep. We don't get to know each other very well. Brotherly, kindness is not, well, let me be kind to all every day. Oh, I'm just going to be kind. I'll tolerate all this stupid stuff that he's not kidding. (laughs) That's not what he's talking about. It's mutual affection for one another. If I love you and, you know, we're together, I'll look out for you and you're looking out for me. And we have a deep relationship. This is missing in the church today. Christians are standing alone by themselves. They are in church, but they know nobody in church. No deep relationship. So when difficult times come, guess what? They can't stand. They are not effective. They are not productive. They're just standing alone. You have to have some deep relationships. I have friends, all over. them. I call them overseas here in the United States, Georgia. And people that have come into... Re- now, you can't be friends to everybody in the church. But at least you know them, you love them. But there are those that God has brought close to you. And usually it's because you opened up to them, right? That's what he's talking about. We need that added to our faith so that our faith will be effective. We have to make an effort, some diligence. You know, here are Christians who complain, Well, I don't have any friend in the church. But then there is a function or something for you to be a part of, and you're, you're not there. You understand what I'm saying? You're not making any effort, there's no diligence. And yet the Bible is commanding us we need to be together. The Bible says we should love all men, especially those that are of the faith, right? Do good to all men, but more particularly to those who are in the church. Believers, this is good for your faith. You can't stand alone. You must make an effort. Don't just let them come to you. After you've received love for a while. I, I, I like this, you know. I guess sometimes I joke about this. It's funny. This is real funny, you know. Tia Osborne, you know, I talk about the guy a lot. But I like the guy. If you don't like him, that's okay too. <laughs> but I like the guy. He had prayed for this uh, strict guy. You know, he was... Uh, he was crippled, and uh Osborne prayed for him, and he got healed completely. And then he put him on stage. You know, it's a funny story. And when he sat on stage, he looked around, and he saw all the big ministers in the country. Not pastors, now I'm talking about government officials, sitting with him. And he's like, oh my God, why did he make me sit among all these people? And uh, he had himself, he had his hands like that, you know, just looking. And T.L. Osborne was bragging on him, how God has healed him. And he was sitting, I don't know if I can demonstrate, he's just sitting like that, you know. And T.L. Osborne went and sat by him and pushed him back so he'll be sitting Real well in his chair because he was he was sitting at the edge, and he did it. And then Tia Losborn crossed his legs, his leg like that, and said, "Do that." And he did that. He said, "Does that feel good?" He said, "Yes, yes, yes. Feels good." He said, "You are a prince now. You're a child of God. Forget about all these guys. You are the real important one here." The guy said, "Yes, good." And the next night, Tia Losborn was preaching. And he said, look at him. As soon as he said, look at him, the, man, the guy went back to his seat and then he crossed his leg for everybody <laughs> to see. He <It> was special. <laughs> and every time he refers to him, he will sit back like a big shot. He will cross his leg <laughs> and look at the people. Yeah, I'm a good, tough guy. And brought him. Then he called him up and he started loving on him. You know what I'm saying? He was loving on him, hugging him, and everything. he just kind of building his self-esteem right before everybody. And then he turned around and said, "Now I've been loving on you all these minutes. Now it's your turn to love on me. Give me a hug." And the guy, said, "You need a hug from me?" His eyes went really. He said, "Yeah, I need your love. You love me back." And he reached out, and T.L. Osborne said, "That was priceless." He said. But that's brotherly kindness. You understand what I'm saying? Brought to the same level. Gives you self-esteem. We need that for one another. You understand what I'm saying? Sit there walking with you. You're loving me. Me loving you. And all, we, no, we know we are children of God. That's what we should be doing to one another. Amen? Brotherly kindness. And then that follows, what follows that is love. What follows that is love. You can't have brotherly kindness without love. And this is what the scripture says. Colossians chapter 3 verse 14. But above all these things put on love. Which is the bond of perfection. This is the glue that ties all those qualities together. Is the bond. Amen. We need all of this. To be highly effective as believers. Love. Goodness. Knowledge, self-control. I'm not going to say that word, even though I feel like saying it. Because I've been hurt. You hold back. You say, no. I'll say something good instead. Perseverance. Godliness. Towards God. Towards man. Brotherly kindness. True love from Jesus. Would you stand with me tonight? Now Al, I need you to sit back real good. <laughs> like a big shot, you know? that you are. I'm picking on you tonight, so. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> Would you just lift your hands up to the Lord and give him thanks and how much He's loved us, how much we're to love one another, n- not jealous of one another? Promoting one another because we are lovers of God. And we love the faith. We've come from death. And we've moved on to life because we love the brethren. Amen. Father, I want to thank you. Thank you for your word tonight. Help us to excel in all these qualities. Help us to grow them, to hold fast to them with all diligence. Help us to have increasing measures of of these qualities in our lives so that we can be effective and be productive in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.